1: No, on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104, one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. On this Wednesday, kind of strange, I don't know, it just feels strange today because yesterday was kind of a bizarre day. Fortunately, at least from what I understand, many of us here did not get hit as hard as some people in the New Orleans area did. Um with the storm that came through, and so you, you take your good breaks as they come for sure, and you wish the best for people that didn't get them. Um, but we will move on. Yesterday we kind of kicked off the NFL draft on this show, and we've got about five weeks or so until that actually takes place, and so there will there will be a lot more. Discussion of that moving forward. One thing that we haven't done much of that we will do today in the next segment is discuss Cajun football. Cajun spring football practice is going on right now. So we will catch up a little bit uh, and talk to Cajun offensive coordinator Tim Leger about things going on specifically, obviously, with the offense, but overall uh, with the Cajuns in spring practice. So we want to catch up with that a little bit. And we will, um, you know, it's going to be a very interesting football season for the Cajuns, and we'll be obviously talking a lot about that once August gets here. And after the spring game, we'll we'll certainly see how things go there and give – our impressions from what we see in the spring game. It's going to definitely be the most interesting spring game in a long time. Well, I guess since, I guess there was quite a bit of intrigue. I, I'm not much into spring football, I got to tell you. Just like I'm not much into everything I hear about players in the fall ball or in, in the fall for softball. Or you know how pl- basketball players how well they're shooting it in the in August and I, I, I I've been burned by that stuff so many times I just I don't I don't I just can't get into it I can't trust it I've seen it go the other way when you start playing other teams in the real season then I'll start analyze um, you know it's just like NFL preseason I'm like I, I'm not gonna go overboard about what, what we see one way. Uh, remember, Tony Jones looked real good in the preseason, Tony Jones. How did Tony Jones do once they got to the regular season? So I just, I don't know, I don't buy a whole lot of it. But this spring game will be the most interesting, I guess, since the first year of Coach Napier because when you get a new coach, um you know there's always okay let's see what this looks like and that looks like not that any of it in in and of itself means that much it's a spring game but but it will be interesting to see all the new quarterbacks for sure uh this is the first time in what four years there's a real open quarterback battle and so um it will it will be interesting to see so we look forward to get a little bit of insight into the Cajun football with um, offensive coordinator Tim Leger in the next segment. Also, got the big news yesterday. Nothing that, Nothing that really shocked, I wouldn't think, any Saints fans, but when this process started, Me and a lot of other Saints fans were hoping they'd sign one of the two, and they didn't sign either one. Didn't sign Marcus Williams, and now didn't sign Teron Armstead. Um, We'll see how they replace him or attempt to replace him. We talked about it yesterday. If they had re signed Armstead, then maybe they may not tackle, may not be in play as much in the first round as it now will be. Good thing is, there are a lot of good tackles out there. We talked about it yesterday, a lot, as many as 10, 11 being projected to pick, being picked in the first two rounds. And the Saints have um, a pick at 18 and a pick at 49. So, on paper, one of those will be for a wide receiver, and one of them will be for an offensive tackle. We'll see. That's certainly good guesses. Of course, it happened again yesterday. You know, two of the big draft analysts say the Saints are going to pick a quarterback. I just – first of all, I don't think it's going to happen. And second of all, I just don't understand why people – Keep saying it's going to happen every year, and it doesn't ever happen. And thirdly, if it does, I'll be in depression for weeks, and so I don't know, we might have to get a guest host or something. I, I don't know. Hannah might have to do the show. I don't even If the Saints pick a quarterback in the first round, I don't know if I'll be able to talk for a week. Much. I don't even know if I'll be able to get out of bed for a week. I mean, it's just going to be completely demoralizing and crushing. I just don't think that's going to happen. But – all these so-say draft, draft experts certainly think it's going to happen. It's incredible. Uh, getting back to Teron Armstead, he signed five years, $75 million. First of all, I want to, I want, as a Saints fan, it was, the Teron Armstead thing was just fun. You know, I remember us talking about a draft you know drafting needing an offensive tackle and there being this um athletic offensive tackle from this little school and one of our callers said um you know i think the saints are going to get him i like him and we talked about it and and they got him in the third round and by the playoffs that year I know many of you have forgotten that season. That's why I call it the Forgotten Saint season. By the playoffs that year, he was starting, and he's basically been a starter ever since. Now, the you know when when Teron Armstead plays, he's almost always really good. And I don't know that a lot of us knew a lot about him behind the scenes, but in the last year or so, I think we've learned that he was you know a bigger part of the leadership. Um, of this team than, than we realized, especially as he got older. But the downside to him is how often he didn't play. Sati- if you just look at the raw statistics, he missed 48 games in his career with the Saints. And I think it's even worse than that because there were quite a few games. Like, he played – He started, but he, you know, how many times have we seen him leave the field injured? So that counts as a game played. Like if he leaves the game in the middle of the second quarter or whenever. But he started the game and he played in the game. That counts as a start and a game played. So tech technically, he only missed forty eight games for the. Saints in his career, but really it's it's at least in the fifties because I mean he missed a lot of halves of games. You know he, he you know where he would he oh Armstead's hurt again. There he goes walking off the field to the locker room. So I don't know. I think it's probably in the high fifties to sixty, more like to be really accurate with it but there's no whatever that number is it's a high number he's missed a lot of games including over half the season like a year ago so you would think that as he gets older his injuries wouldn't go down when he's consistently been injured for the Saints you would think that but who knows I mean you know they might just have good fortune but um to give him five, I would not want to give him five years, seventy-five million, with his injury history. But again, they were desperate for offensive lineman, and if he stays healthy, he's going to be really good for him. And you know, he certainly would will 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 um I would think you know at least be a good leader and, and a good example. Now, why he went to Miami, I have no idea other than the money. I mean, again, if at his age he wants to get one more big. You know, sign one more big contract. It's a business. I get that. I, and he went to the AFC. He's been a good trooper the whole time he's been here. Never caused any trouble. He was hurt too much, but he never caused any trouble. So I, I got I got no ill will. Um, I got no ill will for uh, towards him at all. I mean, again, I. I wish he'd have played a little more. I wish there were some talk about him giving the Saints at um, next a um, you know a hometown discount. Um, but he went to the AFC. He played out his contract. He did. He he played well when he you went. Know, I got I got no issues with him. Now he's going to a stocked a team that in a stocked AFC that is one of the few teams in the AFC that does not have a plus quarterback. We'll see how the, all that works out. But um the coach Mike McDaniel made the I saw I read a quote where he said, "I still haven't something like I still haven't seen a game where a quarterback won a game all by himself." Uh there's a lot of fans that don't believe that. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Talk to David, hello.
2: Hey, Kevin. Howdy, sir. Bro. Man, when you said yesterday that you wanted to draft someone from Michigan or Notre Dame where my jaw hit the ground, I couldn't believe that.
1: Yeah, I, again, I, I discussed it. I said it doesn't make sense because it goes against all of that that I said for years. And I'm not saying I'm totally – I'm just – first of all, I don't think they're going to get either one, okay? Because I don't really think Hamilton's going to drop. I'm just saying the safety because I'm worried about Malcolm Jenkins retired and whether it's this year or next year or tomorrow or a year from now, I'm worried about him retiring. And you just lost Marcus Williams. So I, I think safety could be in play here is all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. And and you still haven't signed P.J. Williams.
2: That, yeah, that is true. You think – I don't know, man. They got all this money, and, like, who's left out there to to spend it on? You know, it's – hope hopefully. Are you are you thinking they might get Tyron Matthew? That's why they haven't
1: signed PJ Williams. Well, I think there's you know I, I, it would be great if they got Tyron Matthew. I, I you know but and like I, but, Marcus is going to be suspended. Yeah, you got you got room for both. You got Malcolm Jenkins that you know that dude's like on the edge of retirement. You know exactly. You got room for they they could sign Matthew or someone else like him and sign uh, PJ Williams. I, I I don't think it's one or the other. I think they need both.
2: Yeah. Hey, this year we might do something we haven't done in fifteen years for the draft. Trade back.
1: <laughs> I don't think that real, I don't think it? that's gonna right. happen because they need like well, we they have, have some needs specific division, right? like, needs. They have some right. very specific position needs, so I don't think that's gonna happen.
2: But look so like when Sean Payton's first year, when he traded back, he actually got players back in return. Like Jeff Fain, right? And um Hollis uh, Thomas, they guy from uh, the Eagles. Eagles, yeah. Don't you, don't you think – and they actually, like, contributed, too.
1: Don't yeah, you think I, don't, like that? I mean, I don't I don't see that happening, I got to tell you. But, you know, uh, again, you remember what we said last year on the show? Just because Casper quit, uh, we're still going to withhold until it, ha- until it happens. We're not going to discuss it because it's just a pipe dream. Yeah. But,
2: yeah, it's like, man, like, that's – and, like, tied in, are we going to – we're gonna stick with Adam Traubman another year, and uh, Nick Vendette? I
1: don't, I don't know. know. I would think you they would add. To, I would think like, they would add someone, but 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 they haven't yet.
2: But like, who is there out there? Who's out there to add? I'm looking through the free agent list. I can't find any. Yeah, it, ends,
1: man. I, I really wanted. Um, and like, do you want
2: to draft another one?
1: You no, know? well, not really. I, I really wanted Everett, and and he signed over the weekend. So I don't know. I don't. You know, Is
2: Kyle I, Rudolph.
1: Oh, I, mean, I he's don't old, want Kyle. But, he's old. no, I don't want him. No. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I think he. I think they might be trusting the tight ends they have, which I don't have as much a problem with as most of y'all do. But I kind of thought they would go out and, and try to get one, but they haven't yet. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know I gotta Let's take a break right, I appreciate Thank it David you. we'll take a break or a timeout and we will come back after this timeout talk to Cajun athletic di- I mean not athletic director offensive coordinator Tim Leger next on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana sports Station
0: Foot is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the
1: forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88 they finished 10-6, and six, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver, who absolutely cheated uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13-12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness, and or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile.
0: We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and footnotes on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette. One zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you about the ultimate crawfish boil brought to you by JJ Exterminating Kramer Equipment and Cody's Crawfish. You could win two sacks of crawfish, a pot, a burner, an ice chest, a tumbler, chairs. $500 Visa gift card and tickets to an Astro game. What a prize. All you have to do to be eligible is go to the website, sign up for the Game Rewards Club, and you might win the ultimate crawfish boil. Again, brought to you by JJ Exterminating Kramer Equipment, Cody's Crawfish in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. A man who's very familiar with a lot of people in both Lafayette and Lake Charles. Cajun Offensive Coordinator Tim Leger, how are you, coach?
3: Good, foot. Appreciate you having me, man.
1: Well, I'm sure it's an exciting time for the coaching staff. You know, obviously everyone would have voted for probably, you know, the quarterback back and all the players who are leaving back. But anytime there's a new kind of a turning of the page, I'm sure that's exciting as well. So what has this spring practice been like so far with all these – Kind of new faces and guys awaiting new roles.
3: Yes, yeah, it's been really good, man. It, uh, we're really encouraged by what we're seeing on a daily basis. Um, you know, we've got we've still got a lot of guys that have played a lot of football around here, um, and so we're just you know trying to plug in uh, the obvious spots. Right, we lost lost Levi, uh, lost a couple of linemen, so um, and even on the defensive side, you know, you're replacing Percy and and, and other guys, so. Um, opportunity for, for guys that maybe have been behind them for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, some of these experienced guys, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more of a leadership role uh, for them. So uh, it's it's exciting. We're encouraged. And, uh, you know, we're really excited about these guys that have, have kind of been in the background. You know, I, I kind of use a baseball analogy a little bit. You know, the Yankees had a lot of good shortstops in their organization when Derek Jeter was playing short every day, right? Um, and you may have not heard about them, but but eventually, uh, you know, some of those guys made it to the forefront and 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 you saw them. And I think that's kind of the position we're going to be in with some of the guys we've had, uh, kind of in the backgrounds, uh, you know, to use Coach Rowe, working while they waited. Um, and I think people are going to be excited to see that uh, we've got some good young players that it's, it's their turn.
1: All right, so let let's start with quarterback, just because you know, obviously, it's a it's an important position. And you just lost uh, one of the most celebrated and the most certainly the most successful in terms of wins quarterback in the history of of this uh, program. So, you know, one of the things that always impressed me the, time, the 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 few times that Levi wasn't on the field, his helmet fell off or what, at the end of a game or whatever. When Chandler Fields came in. There was never any hesitation. He rarely just handed the ball off. He normally threw yeah, a pass yeah. down the field, which means that there was some trust in him. And, and one, one and two, he wasn't scared to, to, to do that at all because he didn't throw um, very, you know, he doesn't throw the ball on, from a shy way. Like, he looks pretty aggressive doing it. No. So, so tell me about Chandler.
3: Now, no, Chandler's, Chandler's made a lot of progress uh, since he's arrived, uh, you know, better athlete than people probably give him credit for. Um, We think he's got elite arm talent. Um, And and to your point, you know, he's not shying away from throws now. He's got a little Brett Favre in him, uh, which we had to kind of control when he first got here because there's not a throw that he doesn't think he can make and uh, sometimes, you know, a little ill-advised. But, uh, you know, he's doing a better job of protecting the ball. He's, you know, completing the ball at a really high percentage right now. Um, and, you know, we're excited about the progress that Chandler's made. Um, and, and you know, we've kind of reshaped, like we talked about the other day, you and I, we've kind of reshaped some of this passing game a little bit to fit his skill set a little more. And um, you know, we're excited about the progress he's made, and we're looking forward to the quarterback competition with he and those other guys in the room.
1: So, it, again, I can only imagine all the things that are going into, not just this spring that you're currently going through, with, and not just Chandler, but all the quarter. But also, once you get into August, because you got to, one, you got to teach him. Especially since y'all restructured a few things, which largely revolves around the quarterback. But also, you don't want him to be scared. But but the biggest thing, the, in my opinion, one of the biggest reasons why the Cajuns won so many football games over the last two or three years is you didn't turn over the football hardly ever.
3: Right. Sure.
1: And, and, sure. and, and so you want to be aggressive and maybe get more big plays, which you did a better job of last year, but you also don't want to turn over to football. So that's a delicate balance. Yeah.
3: That's that's exactly right. Um, you know, you, you're trying to create some, some, some opportunities maybe to push the ball down the field or around the field a little more in the pass game, but you also have to protect it because, you know, we went like seven weeks in a row at the end of the year with no turnovers. I mean – um, and, you know, in the close games that we played, every possession matters. And, you know, we've always uh, put an emphasis on owning the ball and attacking the ball um, and, and taking care of it. And, and look now, we do a ball security period right at the beginning of practice. We do one in the middle of practice where the only emphasis of the whole period is, is ball security. Um, and if somebody's reckless with the ball, um, they won't play. You know, point blank. You know, when Jamal Bell first got here, for example, you know, the first three games he was out there, he put the ball on the ground three times. He didn't play the rest of the year. So, you know, we don't we don't take very lightly to uh, being reckless with the ball. So we call guys out. You know, there were there were plenty of times last year that, you know, we got maybe lucky. Levi threw it into a crowd and it got tipped around a little bit. App State is one I can remember for sure. Um, And on Sunday, we put it up there in front of everybody, called him out, and just said, you know, this is a bad decision. You got lucky. We can't do this. You put our team in jeopardy. And so we've always made a point of that. I think we'll continue to make a point of that. Um, It is a fine line. You know, you want to be aggressive and you want to be, um, you know, an offense that people want to watch and and people want to play in, especially at the skill position as a wide receiver or quarterback. Um, But you also have to manage the game. And that's part of the daily uh, teaching and and evolution of that position, you know. So,
1: Coach Des at the very first press conference, uh, you know, when spring right before spring began, <laughs> he, he 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 said that Chandler and Ben were you know we're going to start out. It's an open competition, and yet you got to yep. start with someone. So, how much of a leader in the clubhouse would you say Chandler is, or is this really as wide open a competition at quarterback that you've been around?
3: No, this is a, this is a drill-by-drill, throw-by-throw, period-by-period uh, competition. You know, um, you don't just hand the reins over at that position to anybody, especially when there's a there's other people that are capable, and Ben is certainly capable along with, with some of those other guys. Um, you know, I would say those two are probably a little ahead of the others just based on experience, knowledge, uh, understanding of what we're trying to do, um, you know, Lance, Lance is a little new to the game, um, obviously, as being a transfer in here. Um, you know, Hunter Herring's been injured, so he hadn't been, you know, really able, really able to compete. Uh, Zeon Chris is a first time freshman. You know, so, so you got some guys in there that, that are maybe playing catch up to those two. Uh, but those two are deep in the middle of it, is what, is what I would tell you. And there's days, uh, even through the course of last year, man, that there were, there were debates last year on game day you know, all right, Levi's going to start. If something were to happen, who goes in? And based on how they practiced, you know, the answer some weeks was Ben and the answer some weeks was Chandler. So these guys have been in a competition for a really long time. Um, Not only, you know, now in spring when it's for the starting job, but they were in a competition all of last year to decide who was going to run out there first on game day if something were to happen to Levi. So um, they're used to it. We're used to it. um, And it's like, you know, like I said, it is drill to drill, throw to throw, day to day with those two.
1: All right, so we're largely a fan base and a listenership around here where we we've seen with Taysom Hill, who I call Batman on this show, has done with the Saints. <laughs> is is Lance Lejeune such a special athlete that if he doesn't win the position, he could still get snaps in some? Um, you know, whatever you want to roll, gadget roll or whatever you want to call it. Is, is he that good of an athlete where he could get on the field even if he's not the starting quarterback?
3: Yeah, I think I mentioned this to you the other day, Kevin. I think, I really believe that the kid is so freakishly gifted athletically. Um, I do think he could play wide out here. I do think he could play safety here. Uh, and if you want to call it quote-unquote wildcat quarterback um, in design plays, maybe like, you know, uh, Coach Payton did with Taysom. You know, I could, I could certainly see that because, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a kid that can make it happen from anywhere on the field. So I'll give you an example. Last August camp in one of the scrimmages, you know, we had an RPO throw uh, run slash RPO, you know, play on. He made a bad decision, had nowhere to go with the football, was stuck in the pocket, and took off running, outran the defense for 80-yard touchdown. Not a design run not a not a scramble, just made a bad decision and had to improvise and then out leveraged outran and went eighty yards for a touchdown that's the kind of athlete that's do this dude is. um you know so he's got he's got some progress to make in in terms of uh, processing understanding what we're trying to do he's been on a lot of offenses both you know through his high school and college career coming from Maryland and now two different coordinators here um so He's playing catch-up a little bit in, in terms of that, but athletic ability, you know, um, like the kids say, like somebody created him on Madden. Like, that's not – it's not real. You know what I'm saying? It's Right. It's uh, it's uniquely different is what is the best way for me to say it.
1: All right, let's take a timeout. We come back with the UL offensive coordinator, Tim Leger. I want to get to – for most people's, I think, the – Quarterback is the biggest question mark. in my mind, I'm wondering if the offensive line is the biggest question mark right now going into this season uh for the Cajuns. And we'll discuss that subject with Cajun offensive coordinator Tim Leger on the other side of this timeout on the game. 1037, Lafayette, 1041, Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana, Sports Station.
0: Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up basketball to save my life. I cannot take
1: basketball. It's way too subjective.
0: More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one oh four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We have with us UL Offensive Coordinator Tim Leger. So, Coach, the, the offensive line, it, it's always an adventure with the offensive line in the spring. In fact, it seemed like one year we didn't even have a spring game around here because of the offensive line uh, was so beat up. You know, I think all plans are to have the spring game on, on April the 9th. But but there are a lot of guys out right now. How challenging is that?
3: Yeah, it's it's been a little difficult. You know, uh, just based on natural attrition at the position, you know, you lose Ken Marks, who who's, was here forever and started a lot of games. Shane Bileau was a three-year starter at center. You lose him, and then Max declares for the draft. And, it's, you know, Bileau, all, all indications, going to be a really high pick. So you lose – Three key components right there. And then, um, you know, you got to account for the portal attrition as well. So that's five guys that, you know, that, that we lost, uh, you know, through attrition one way or another. Um, and then the unfortunate thing for us right now is we've got a couple guys that, uh, you know, the Jacks Harrington's of the world, who's who's going to be a great player, just been injured, didn't, you know, didn't really get to play much last year because of the injury. Um Tyler Brown had shoulder surgery last year. Uh, Nathan Thomas is fighting through a little bit of a groin right now. Who ended up starting all the games last year for us uh, at the end of the year at tackle and played almost in every game for us. Um, and then, and then of course, uh, Carlos Rubio, who also had surgery. So you got plus David Hudson, right? Who was the most valuable backup swing guy we had last year. So you know, with the with that, I mean, you're talking about nine or ten guys in that group that. Either have left the program uh, with the first five we talked about, and then and then you got four or five more that are not hundred percent through spring, so they're only doing maybe individual or different parts of practice. So um, it's created opportunity for some young guys like King McGowan, who's who's really having a great spring. King's been here for a couple years behind the scenes working really hard., uh, you know, Mackey. Uh, Mackie Mayhew is uh, from Mandeville, is getting a bunch of snaps. George Jackson is getting snaps. And then we got a group of walk-ons that are trying really hard every day to, to get us through and, and doing a really good job for us. So, you know, it's been difficult. Um, you know, there's guys that have been forced to the front of the line um, that, you know, they're getting the fire hose treatment pretty much. And, and then uh, some of these some of these walk-ons are in there with the twos and, and rotating, um, you know, um, in a full group settings so they're having to get some exposure too which in the end of the day is going to make our football team better uh so you know we're excited about the progress but it has been tough to your point kevin it's uh you know when you're missing that many guys and it, it affects the way you're able to practice and do some of the things that way the way we like to do it so
1: okay so fast forward to august and september from the moment coach sale got here uh, with Coach Napier, one of the things that they did was okay. We got to rotate. We got to get as many guys as many snaps as possible. One to keep right. everyone interested. In two, in case of injury. So, am, are, are, is there going to actually be more with all the new faces and all and the lack of a game experience returning? Is there going to be more rotation come September than even normal? You think on the O line?
3: No, I, I just think we're going to end up trying to settle in on the you know the. Like we always do, the eight or nine guys that that we think can really play and deserve to play and, and we'll play more guys, you know, if they deserve to play, we'll play more. If less deserve to play, we'll play less. It just depends. But you know, we do have a lot of guys coming back. David Hudson, ton of game experience. Carlos Rubio, ton of game experience. James O'Hama, the transfer from Michigan State, you know, uh Big Ten game experience. Nathan Thomas, a ton of game experience. AJ Gillie started every game and left guard for us, ton of game experience. Tyler Brown has been a starter and a rotator, ton of game experience. King McGowan, maybe not as much experience, but a lot of reps in the course of practice, the way we practice two spots, uh, Jack Harrington, you know, penciled in as a starter, his freshman year had the concussion issues, you know, really was practicing well last year had the knee injury. Um, so is fully capable uh, and he gets more and more reps every day as we go through this spring. Um, so, you know, He's got game reps as well, though, and a ton of invested reps. George Jackson has been here for over a year now. ton of invested reps. And, George, that's nine guys right there. Um, and then, you know, Mackey's a first-time freshman. But because of the injury situation, you know, he's playing every day with the ones. So he's having to block really good players every single day. Uh, so he's getting a bunch of reps. And then, you know, we're excited about the three guys we signed, Bryant Williams, Cade Morrow, Trent Murphy. Uh, those guys are going to come in and be in the mix. And, and like I said – that's 13 guys right there, um, and, and you'd like to try to think you could get eight really good players game ready, maybe even nine or ten if, we, if, if we're lucky. So uh, we're going to do what we always do. Uh, we're going to two-spot practice in the fall. We're going to get as many guys as reps as we can. Um, and, you know, we've put a premium on the position still. You know, Coach Jeff Nord is still here. He's a tremendous offensive line coach with tons of SEC experience. Brian Ross was here and instrumental in developing Kevin Dotson and and, and uh, Robert Hunt and and Max Mitchell and all these guys that have been ultra-successful. So those two guys are our primary uh, offensive line coaches. They're doing a great job with all these young guys. And then we hired Austin Shepard uh, from Ole Miss in an off-the-field role. Austin played at Alabama, played in the NFL with four different teams, the Vikings, the Chargers, the Steelers, uh, and then again with the Vikings – um, and so he's in there, you know, being able to help those guys. So we really got three guys working with, you know, the the guys that we have here, um, and and we're going to do everything we can to help them. You know, really excited about the process, uh, progress that Landon Burton has made at center, uh, and and you know he's a walk on from St. Thomas More that earned a scholarship, um, and he's in the mix for the starting job at center. He's doing a really good job. So, you know, between those three coaches and the quality of player that we recruited over the last three years. Um, I think we're going to be in great shape, and I think we got a lot of guys capable of rotating. It's just going to be the guys that, you know, play the best going into spring and into the season.
1: That's worked before getting a, um, a walk on from St. Thomas More in the interior of the line and, and has had success here. So last year we learned that because you transfer here as an offensive lineman with a ton of Division One experience does not necessarily mean you're going to start or even play. So what are the chances that? Um, the I'm not going to call him a kid because he's humongous. Uh, from Michigan State, ends up starting.
3: Yeah, he you know he's in the mix at right guard right now, um, and that that's one of the positions that that is up for grabs. Uh, you know, David Hudson will come back. He he'll be in the mix for that. Uh, you know, James obviously uh, from Michigan State will be in the mix for that. Tyler Brown, when he comes back, could be in the mix for that. Uh, depending on who wins the job at right tackle, you you could see Jack Harrington in there. In the mix for that, um, and of course, Mackey's already playing right guard. So, uh, heck, you know, we got a lot of guys capable. Of James um, is a little bit behind conditioning-wise. Uh, it's new to him the offense, but uh, when he knows what to do, he's 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 a good player. Um, and you know, you'll see that guy on the field next year for us in some capacity. He's a good player.
1: All right, when the run when the running backs were signed, not this past year but the year before, Coach Napier talk more about Draylon Washington than any of them. I remember after that right. early signing day, just raved about him. So for those of us who haven't actually seen him play, what kind of running back does he look like he's going to be?
3: Um, you know, Dre is a guy that qualified for the state hundred meters in Texas in the track meet. So he has legitimate speed. Um, you know, he's a five, nine. You know, I would probably say 225-pound guy, you know, bowling ball built, but elusive, fast, quick-twitch, powerful, um, you know, a bigger version of the kid that left is the best way for me to say it, you know. Um, Dre came from a kind of a wing-tee style. I don't know if it was – like split back, deer wing tee. He played in like the fullback position in his offense, so it was a right. hard eval, right? Right. And so and and the learning curve for him was big, right? So it took him a little bit longer, but ability wise, um, this 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 dude's a home run waiting to happen from anywhere on the field versus anybody. Um, he's big, he's strong, he's powerful, he's quick, twitch, he's elusive, um, he's a violent runner at the finish, like. There's a lot to like about Jerry Washington.
1: Wide receivers. You know, one of the things that we discussed as much as anything last season uh, on right. this, on, with the season is how many wide receivers should they be playing? Do they have a number one receiver? Uh, would it be beneficial right. to have a number one receiver? Why, you know, who's playing when and all of that. How right. different is all of that going to seem this year or is it too early to know that?
3: You know, I think I think we we do have capable guys at every spot. Um, you know, you know, last year we played as many as nine guys. I, you know, that's that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Um, but you know, the what we've always said is, you know, if you do it right and you earn it, you're going to get to play. Um, does it affect the numbers? Um, absolutely, right. There's no Jamarcus Bradley in there making seventy catches and, and things of that nature, right? um but like for, at the z position last year we played we played really five different guys over the course of it you know and when you look at the group the group had over 90 catches last year so the group was productive you can't put your finger on an individual and say hey man that guy really played well right or that guy's a first team all conference that guy's an all-american but the z position was ultra productive for us last year and the same thing at x right we had you know, John, uh, Michael, and, and Karen all, all played well, right, uh, and practiced really hard every day, went to class, you know, 3.0 GPA, no issues off the field. It's hard to, to tell a kid that does it right every single day that you can't play, right, um, especially when it's close. Like, you know, there was there's no difference uh, in ability sometimes. So then you're just, you know, sometimes the off-the-field stuff or the classroom stuff or the intangibles – can be the difference in who plays and who doesn't. But when you got three, you know, at one position that all do the right things, that are all really good players, that most teams in our league would love to have on their team, you can't not play it, you know. And so um, it may not be popular all the time, and but we work really hard at it. It doesn't affect the chemistry with the quarterbacks, um, and you know, guys know if they work really hard, they're gonna get a chance to play. So that's kind of the approach we take. You know, do I wish maybe it wasn't nine? Maybe I wish it was six or seven. Yeah, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Pete LeBlanc, great player, great kid. Errol Rodgers, great player, great kid. Dante Fleming, great player, great kid. Uh, Caleb Carter, great player, great kid. Like, why not play? They've earned it, you know. And so, um, you know, there were weeks where, you know, um, that guys didn't have a great week in the classroom, didn't have a great week, whatever and they didn't play as much. So um, it's just hard not to reward kids for doing the right thing, you know. And um, they practice really hard. We demand a lot out of them. And if they know what to do and how to do it, they do a great effort. And attention to detail is hard for me not to put them out there,
1: you know. All right. That all makes sense. All right, Coach. Well, we appreciate your time very much. Look forward to the spring game and uh, – and kind of really start this progress from a media fan standpoint. I know the process started for y'all a long time ago, but but for us, the process will start with the spring game, and it should be lots of fun. Appreciate it.
3: Yes, sir. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you and everything you do covering us and for us, and uh, we'll see you around, brother.
1: All right. Tim Leger, been knowing him for a long time. First, I think the first time I'm – I kind of became aware of Tim was covering American Legion baseball and he was a young pitcher for the Lone Drillers. And then he got drafted in the fourth round by the Pirates and played quarterback and played center field and uh, covered him when he was at St. Thomas Morey. Now he's the UL offensive coordinator. Uh, always enjoyed talking sports, not just football, but sports in general with Tim Leger, and I'm very glad for his success. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour. Next on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Here on Footnotes, you may not always exactly hear what you want to hear, but you will hear what you need. And of course, I got all these,
4: oh, you're an idiot.
0: You know, what kind of
1: safe fan are you? Look, I'm not telling you what I want to happen. I'm telling
0: you what's going to happen, what more than likely is going to happen. Back to more of the sports talk you need to listen to with footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports, sports station. Sports station.
1: back to the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. want to tell you about the Hangout Music Fest. If you would like to win VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival, located or it's going to be, uh, take place in Gulf Shores, Alabama, May 20th through 22nd. All you need to do is go to one of the two websites, and join the Game Rewards Club, and you become eligible to may, perhaps win two VIP passes to the Hangout Music Festival May 22 through 22nd uh, in Gulf Shores, Alabama. By going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, watch the process. Everything that uh, Tim Leger just said, Cajun offensive coordinator, and and we'll do that uh, a little bit in the next segment and and, and over the next couple weeks and kind of store away some of those thoughts, Um, you know, going all the way into August and and September. I think got a lot of questions to answer on the offensive line. I'm certainly quarterback is certainly a concern, but I think offensive line is as well. So got a lot of new things happening with the Cajun offense and not as worried about wide receiver or tight end or running back, but we'll see how those other two. Play out. All right, that'll do it for this hour. Another hour to follow on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You can also watch us simulcast Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 706-0-1-1-1, 706-0111. And very interesting conversation as always with UL offensive coordinator Tim Leger. You know, as he was rattling off all of those names on the offensive line, I um you know, I was just I I'm just trying to picture how all that's gonna work out. And one of the things that came to mind seemed like there's a lot of options at guard, maybe not quite as many at tackle. And um versatility's always been a big part of since Coach Napier got there, all he really, you know, raves about versatility and it's been a big part of of this new way of you know kind of the the, the current culture. I hate that word, but it's real um, way of doing things, system and mentality, philosophy, and so you know we'll see. It, it it does normally work out well when guys get experience because other guys are injured, like he talks about. The big uh, Lyman Mackey from um, from Mandeville, who's just humongous, um, getting experience, and and so we'll see how all of that plays out. You all. The other thing that stuck out in my mind is man, you hope Jax Harrington gets a chance. I mean, think about how long he's been waiting for his chance. It's been three years of just waiting and dealing with injuries and uh, erath product, and you hope that he gets a chance. Uh, this year, injury wise, and here he is part of the, um, um, you know, he's just rehabbing from from surgery. So we'll see. Again, the centers, the center position is important. I mean, every position is important on the offensive line, and this has been an offensive line-driven success story. You know, even going back, I know. A lot of us want to just dismiss the Mark Hudspeth years, but even going back to Coach Hud's first four years, the the biggest bottom line, like, they basically had seasons where the same players started every game on the offensive line. It doesn't happen all that often. Like, this has been largely offensive line driven. All the winning seasons that the Cajuns have enjoyed, over the last 10 years, 10, 11 seasons, a lot of bowl games, a lot of winning seasons, a lot of Sunbelt victories. And the common denominator in all of that has been the offensive line has been a strength in being able to run the football. Yeah, they've had great players on defense here and there, no question. The defense at times was really good over the last couple of years. I'm a big Percy Butler guy, uh, and he's not there anymore. And, and, and yeah, I, I, um, I, I get it. They've had I know Levi Lewis and what he's done, and they've had you know a couple really good wide receivers. But the common denominator through it all has been uh, really the line of scrimmage, both lines really. Because early on it was, you know, the Ringos and the Hamiltons when Coach Hub was here, but it's been the offensive line and the consistency there and being able to run the football in an era where so many people are playing seven-on-seven football, the Cajuns have gotten it done on the offensive line. So, you know, it's important, and we'll talk about that, obviously. More, uh, you know, once we get to the fall and into August – and see how all that's gonna play out. But it's um certainly something to, to keep an eye on. Again, the game hotline seven oh six oh one 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 lots to get your reaction to. If you want to talk about Taron Armstead and, and Lee losing both him and Marcus Williams, certainly could do that. Uh Cajun baseball tonight. LSU's playing tech. Really nice midweek game. Um you know, some years the midweek games for LSU mean nothing, but I don't think a matchup against a Tulane or a Louisiana Tech means nothing. Uh, you know, I'm not saying it's it's anywhere near as important as an SEC game, but still a good team. It's a good RPI game. Um, so that that's a good matchup. Cajuns play nickels. Uh, Cajuns are just looking to to kind of get some consistency, keep things going. Uh, went 0-3 over the weekend in Troy, and so Peyton Havard is the expected starter tonight for the Cajuns. Um, you know, they just trying to get as many W's as they can just to kind of, like, you know, they kind of, like, they, it looked like they were getting some things going, and then they went on the road against a team with a really good pitching staff, and that offense just didn't come through, um. Some of that might had to do with the fact that they got too many hits. You know, they got 34 hits in two games before they went to Troy. But I think uh, a lot of it, most of it, had to do with Troy's just a really good pitching team, and 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 the pitching just beat the hitting. So we'll see what happens uh, in Nichols tonight. And Nichols can be the kind of team where they can pitch really well and their ballpark depending on the wind, can really become a pitcher's ballpark. And so that's where the Cajuns' short game and the ability to bun and run can come in, and hopefully uh, that will play its way into the storyline on a positive way for the Cajuns tonight. So, again, any of that stuff you would like to discuss, certainly feel free to call. Let's go to the game hotline. Talk to our old friend from South Lafouche.
4: Hey, Foot, how's it going?
1: Oh man, I don't know. My head's been spinning the last few weeks, and so now we got no Armstead, we got no Williams, and they did sign Jameis Winston, so that was good. So I don't know. I'm kind of in wait and see mode right now.
4: Yeah, I want I call you first as a Broncos fan, and I call you secondly today as a Saints fan. Let's talk about the Broncos first. My question for you is: Did your wife go out and buy her Russell Wilson Broncos jersey yet?
1: No and and again my wife is she's excited on one hand but she's like man we better win we gave up a lot and she's seen that before uh she's not a big bandwagon jumper her and I are pretty similar on that uh but no she's it, 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 it's it's going to be really exciting for her when she sees that first consistent game or so from the offense because of what Russell Wilson brings but no she, she she's not a real um, get all fired up over a pickup kind of per- fan.
4: Yeah, well, I hope he can have the uh, success that Peyton Manning had late in his career when he moved over to Denver. Granted, the last season that he was doing the defense carried him. Yeah, but, he was know, awful. You know, so, I hope
1: he's good for yeah. a long time. Yeah, not just one yeah. or two years.
4: Yeah, but to me, to me, the the main piece that. The Broncos were missing was quarterback, so we'll see what happens. You know, now with regard to the Saints, uh, yeah, I hate to see Olmstead go, but in the Jameis Winston signing, I think the key word we look at there is continuity. I I think that you got more continuity and familiar familiarity. How oh, that's a good South of word. Yes. If if if. If you bring in Deshaun Watson or some of the other quarterbacks they were looking at, you know, you have a a guy who's got to get reacquainted with the playbook or get acquainted with it, learn it from scratch. Whereas Winston already knows. I I think that signing Winston was a good thing because of his familiarity with the offense and continuity, like I said.
1: Oh, no. I, I was, you know, I thought all along that's what it would be. I really, you know, certainly did. Um, and so it wasn't a surprise, but it was good. Yes, I I agree. I wholeheartedly support that uh, move. Yes.
4: And, and truthfully, you know, if, if Winston doesn't get hurt last year, I think the Saints win one playoff game, you know, at least one, maybe, maybe two. With the new format they have, you know, it's <laughs> you got to win a whole school games to get to the Super Bowl. But I think they could have won one game last year. Oh, I, 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 think I think it's, I think it's,
1: I think it's very possible. I think it's possible they'd have played the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I if they had been healthy and he had and he was and, and if they had a kicker, uh, if they had had a healthy season instead of one of arguably the most unhealthy season in the history of the National Football League. I, I you know, who knows what would have happened? I agree.
4: All right, so we'll talk to you next time.
1: I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. And hopefully that didn't curb his progress very much. You know, when he got hurt last year, I think the offense was just about to kind of turn the corner as much as it could turn. Because, again, you know, Plastic Man, Michael Thomas, still wasn't available. And it turns out he wasn't available all season. So – I don't think the ceiling was really high, but I think that it was, you know, they were about to get a little more confident in him. I think they were just starting to build some confidence in him when he got hurt, and it was just it's just so frustrating. Speaking of the Saints in the offense, I you know, I said yesterday, I was I've been hoping since last season the Saints would sign Jamison Crowder and 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 they didn't do it last year, and he and he signed um, elsewhere as a free agent over the weekend, um, and a lot of people are asking, and I've asked the question too. a Little surprise, you know. We've heard Jarvis Landry's name. People keep bringing up Will Fuller. I, I don't want Will Fuller. They, I, I don't. I just the last thing they need is another injury-prone wide receiver, but. Um, I'm wondering if the Saints are thinking we're going to draft a wide receiver in the first or second round. Now, how many of them, you know, of the 10 or 12 guys that we discussed yesterday, a wide receiver, that a lot of people are projecting to go in the top two rounds, how many of them are the Saints high on? Like, again, we don't have any idea. We'd just be guessing. But with assuming they're going to draft one in the first or second round, which I think is a pretty good bet. And again, you're talking about this coming from someone who has been categorically against first round wide receivers for a long, long time. Assuming they draft one in the first or second round, which I think they will, you'll have Plastic Man, you'll have whoever they draft, you'll have Mighty Mouse, whose name is now Hardy and um and you have Callaway, who can be a fourth receiver and not have to try to be a one receiver with no with, with no help. I mean, again, I, I think a lot of us have now soured on Callaway. I'm I'm not ready to do that because he was thrust into the position of having to be a number one receiver with question marks on on the offensive line and question marks at tight end and question marks with the offense. Question marks that, hey, that was an unfair assessment of him last year. So I still think Callaway can be a good number four receiver. And how often do you play a lot more than four receivers? Now, would I like to get a, a quality fifth one? Figuring some one or two or more of these are going to get hurt, of course. But I don't know if it's as critical as everyone is saying, including myself. We'll see how that plays out. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back with more. On the other side, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. March 23rd, 1957, North Carolina takes down Kansas. in three overtimes. Jayhawk star Wilt Chamberlain is named the most outstanding player, becoming the fourth player to earn the honor despite not winning the title. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Want to remind you, we got a new giveaway available. The Harlem Globetrotters coming to the Cajun Dome on Tuesday, April the 5th. You would if you want a chance to see them live by winning a family pack of four tickets. To see the Harlem Globetrotters at the Cajun April the 5th, here's what you need to do. You need to text TROTTER, T-R-O-T-T-E-R, to 68683. Text TROTTER to 68683, and you'll have a chance to win a family four-pack of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters at the Cajun thanks to the game. And again, you know how big the Harlem Globetrotters are. The Harlem Globetrotters were on Scooby-Doo. So if you were on Scooby-Doo, you were a big deal. And um, not I haven't seen the Harlem Globetrotters in many, many years. My only kind of Harlem Globetrotter story was, I remember many years ago, I went in 1982 or maybe the right before New Year's, between Christmas and New Year's 81, uh, I attended the Cajuns Sugar Bowl Classic, um, and we were staying at the Hyatt. And great victory! Cajuns beat Florida. Cajuns beat Kansas and won the tournament. Um, and in that, we were in the elevator. A friend of mine were in the elevator, and we uh, and Metalark Lemon was there, who's arguably the most famous Harlem Globetrotter ever. So got a chance to meet him. But no, uh, if you want to do that, text Trotter to six eight six eight three. You might win a family pack. Four tickets to the Harlem Globetrotters. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. And what in the world is going on with his quarterback position? We'll speak to Mr. Dwight. Hello, sir. What's
5: going on, brother, Cal? Man, you tell me. Jimmy G is going to start for y'all or what's going on there? Well, no, Jimmy, I think Jimmy got the 49ers back. That's what happened. That's what happened. Uh, they didn't know he needed surgery, and he he waited, waited, waited. And he took his shirt. Now he can't throw till like August into September. So now I was like, this it? I was told a coach wanted, but they said since that injury, they they didn't want to touch him. So he's gonna just be what? I mean, this is crazy. Like I think mean, no, if- they going they gonna play him, Kevin. He making twenty seven million a year. Shanahan got to play him. And hope that they have a great season next year and look good and trade. And next year he's just gonna walk. He's done. They ain't gonna but wait a minute, though. Me, is he I don't really? Think they can cut him? Huh?
1: But is he really not gonna be able to throw until after camp starts?
5: That's that's what they said. He can't throw until after camp, it's like around August. So Trey Lance gonna take all the first uh, um, team reps, and then I guess he go just he go just start in September. I mean, I don't think you can leave a quarterback picking twenty-seven on your bench, huh? <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I mean, this is crazy. It's crazy. I, I, I was like, this don't make no
0: sense.
5: <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna do because I know they can't bench him.
1: But you also can't. I mean, how long can you make all you know trade all that draft capital and then just have this guy Lance, sit on the bench?
5: Well, I thought about what you said when we lost the the championship game and you said that Jimmy gotta go because when you trade that much, you have to see what you have. And when it didn't happen, I said, Man, so I guess Kevin wrong this time I said, But this this don't make no sense. I I don't know what they gonna do. Well they gotta play him. No, look. So, I mean, if, if the man can throw
1: if the man can throw, you're more of a you're more of a threat to go to the Super Bowl, than in my opinion, of Trey Lance as the quarterback. But
5: yeah, because you but don't know if he, he can like throw, learning on the job with Trey Lance. Yeah, but it, with Jimmy, you know what you have already.
1: But and we're right not now, talking about a knee injury, though, Dwight. We're talking about the man's shoulder.
5: Yeah, well, didn't Drew Brees had a shoulder <laughs> issue and he came back and played well?
1: Oh no, I'm not saying he can't play well, but but Drew Brees also was was throwing before August. I, I don't know; it just seems kind of oh, crazy. Oh, you yeah.
5: you saying coming in, coming, yeah. coming in September, it's like you you don't know. Yeah, you yeah. can have some bad games. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm 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 I don't think we did good in free agent. We got a cornerback. I I, I don't know. I just I, I don't I didn't like what we did, but well, just have to rock what I have. But I'm just I'm just so. Upset about they didn't do nothing with Jimmy because I figured with that money we could have do some get some needs but we probably can make a run with Jimmy one more last time. But then we can't do nothing with Jimmy if we have a good year because you ain't gonna get nothing for him because you ain't gonna franchise tag him. You gonna let him walk so he can go. You know, it's like we lost.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not a it's not a great situation in terms of that. But I think if Jimmy can get back to the just the level we played at last year then you are going to be one of the favorites to go to the Super Bowl. So in terms of just next season, it's good. But in terms of the whole game of the quarterback and the draft and all that, yeah, that's not good.
5: But, Kevin, let me ask you a question, then I'm going to uh, hang up with you. Now, do, did you ever see in that scenario what be going on with Jimmy? Did a, a team ever cut a player with that salary and just move on to the guy they think that's – that's their guy and you want to give him a shot because they gave up too much for that player, or you never really seen that scenario that <laughs> we got going on?
1: I mean, trades have been made, but I mean just a flat out cut him, I don't I don't have any memory of that. No, someone would have to so, remind me of that
5: scenario. So you don't so you don't see that like we cutting Jim in camp. You you yeah, you don't see that happen. Cause, he, cause again, Trey Land's gonna take all the first snaps. Yes. And then all of a sudden come to September, Jim is starting.
1: I don't you know. know. This is a cr- – yes. I know I get it. Like we said at the beginning of this call, this is a crazy scenario. I haven't wrapped my mind totally around this scenario yet. This is crazy. Yeah. But we'll so, see. Okay. But, again, think short term. I mean, from your standpoint, <laughs> yeah. I think it makes you more of a Super Bowl contender. I mean, you should have been in the Super Bowl last year. But, anyway, I appreciate, appreciate okay. the call. No, I, I was going to get to that. That was one of my things I had written down here, the whole Jimmy G scenario. It's crazy. It really is bizarre how that's going to play out. The other thing I don't know if we'll get to today is everyone. Well, we can talk about it now. You know, all the national people, they all freaking out about the workout that Malik Willis had yesterday. I mean, the whole pro day thing is so, I really have mixed thoughts, mixed emotions about. Um, On one hand, there's a part of me that says, who cares how good you look, you know, in shorts with no defense, you know. And I think that's a fair question or a fair statement. Uh, I've made that a lot. You know, you've heard a lot of people say it. I've heard ex-players make it, and yet you do want to be able to see all the throws that you can make. Because a lot of times, for instance, a Mac Jones, when you play at Alabama, it's look. Let's face it, folks. It's not very difficult to look. It's not very difficult to look good if you're playing quarterback at Alabama. You got two to three wide receivers who are first-round picks. You got two to three offensive linemen who are first round picks. You got one or two guys that are going to be drafted on on day one or two at, at running back. I mean, you, you might have a first round tight end or a second round. I mean, it, let, let's it's not very difficult to look good to, when you quarterback into places like Alabama. And so you got to see if the guys can have the physical can make physically make the throw. So I get the purpose of them. Um. For Cajun fans, they're going to there's going to be a lot of Cajun and I went to the Liberty game in Lynchburg and the Cajuns crushed Liberty. And Malik Willis didn't look good at all. At all. He looked terrible in that game, okay? And me and all the Cajun fans who saw that game were like, "This guy's not any good." And I get that reaction cuz that was my first reaction too. He looked terrible. And I remember thinking, man, I don't I sure hope the Saints wouldn't even think about picking this guy. I get all of that because I had the same initial reaction. But I also want to throw out there football is a team game. I have to remind myself and y'all that all the time. It's very possible that the that Malik Willis looked that bad in that game because um the Cajuns' defensive front was just that much better than Liberty's offensive line. You know, they're, they're similar type thoughts and, concept and and conflicting kind of stories or, or experiences. Like I think every time, like Kaplan played Jennings. When Etienne, who was an All-American national championship running back at Clemson, first-round draft pick. He played against Kaplan. Kaplan totally shut him down. So does that mean he's not good? No, it means Kaplan was better than Jennings. Because like I say with quarterbacks uh, or running backs or whatever, it's a team game. So <coughs> I think I'll, I'm not saying uh, all of a sudden I'm sold on Malik Willis I'm saying he might not be quite as bad as he looked against the Cajuns because the Cajuns were an inspired football team who clearly outplayed everyone around them, including him. But, I mean, they just dominated their offensive line in that game. So that doesn't mean he's not going to be a good NFL quarterback because he looked terrible against the Cajuns. But, uh, but, uh, but if you're a Cajun fan and you saw that game, it's hard to get that out your mind. I mean, it's just. As you're hearing all these people rave about how great Malik Willis is going to be, it's hard It's hard to get that out of your mind. It just is. And so I get it. But, again, there are these other examples that I think about. Just because a team beat another team that had a great player on it don't mean that great player, when he plays on a better team, can't play well. So we have to just remind ourselves of that. But, no, you know me and rookie quarterbacks, I'm not a fan of rookie quarterbacks at all. And I I heard people say that after yesterday's workout that Malik Willis is going to be a top-ten pick. Some people think the Lions are going to pick this guy number two. Are they crazy? That would be – and it would not surprise me at all if the Ornals pick him. Boy, I hope they do. Boy, I hope the Ornals pick Malik Willis. Or or one of these other, Pickett or one of these other quarterbacks. That would be funny. I need a good chuckle on draft day. All right. Take a timeout. Come back. Shift gears a little bit. Have our weekly conversation with UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: Do you ever wonder what kind of coach Foote would have been? When they hit it to you and you're in the major leagues, you catch the ball. That's the way that works. Yeah, he may be better suited for talking sports than coaching them. Back to footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. want to remind you to go to the one of the two websites and put yourself in position to win a $50 gift certificate to have Shell Oyster House. All you have to do is go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, sign up for the Rewards Club, and you might. Win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. Probably they have steak there that um, Hannah would would order rare, and I would order medium rare there too if you don't want to go the seafood option. But, uh, you know, you can't figure all that out if you don't join. So go to 1037thegame or 1041thegame.com today. All right, we have with us UL... Head softball coach, Jerry Glasgow, how are you, sir? Uh, doing well, Kevin,
6: doing well.
1: All right, Coach, they're asking everyone today what, what how do they have their steak? How do you normally do it?
6: My, How do I do it? Uh, steak?
1: Yeah, medium do you know medium well, rare?
6: Medium rare. Okay. Oh, rare. Rare or medium
1: rare? Oh, you're more like Hannah. I'm more, I I'm more of a medium well guy, but anyway.
6: Yeah, my wife is too, and I'm, I'm <laughs>
1: her. And you're you're an outdoorsman, so that kind of fits into it. I kind kind of I kind of like that. All right, Coach. Um, let's face it for for a long time, Cajun. Those of us who followed Cajun softball, um, kind of turned our nose at the Sunbelt Conference standings because it was always about where you were in the in the national picture. Because this has been a national Would, program for a long, long time. But where your program is right now in terms of this team with all the young players you have and trying to answer this question and that question, um, it seems like I'm, I'm kind of starting to look a little more at the Sunbelt race. The good news is you're only one game out of first place and you and you're still kind of trying to figure things out. And the bad news is, it seems like there's some teams that are that have gotten better, like ULM and and UTA. And how, how do you see all that?
6: Yeah, I I think that's good news. That the that they've gotten better in the long term for winning this particular conference race with a with a, <coughs> a group that's trying to find itself on the field. You know, I, I get where you're saying, looking at it as a bad thing, but like I think over a 10-year period we want that Sunbelt Conference. I'm hoping that this conference can become one of the top five conferences in the country with the addition of of JMU and Marshall and Southern Miss. So, I, and, I, and for that to happen, not only do we add those teams, we need to see the elevated level of play from Louisiana Monroe, which we're seeing. Uh, UT Arlington definitely not had a great year so far, but they had a great win over top ten Oklahoma State, and then they won the last three conference games in a row. So they're definitely on a really good trend right now. Um, And of course, they'll be leaving the conference, so it's not a bigger factor long-term, but in the short-term, it looks like it'll be good games this weekend. And then, uh, of course, we want South Isle, Texas State, and Troy to stay in that, you know, where they were last year in the NCAA field, You'd like to see them stay right there at that level. And and if that happens and we get, you know, an elevated level of play from Georgia State and Georgia Southern with the new coaching staffs, and they're in a great location over there around Atlanta where there's so, many talent, uh, so much talent coming out of the high school and travel ball ranks, I think that's a really good sign for our conference, which we, you know, we want it to be more competitive and we'll be way better prepared for the playoffs if our conference play elevates. Even app
1: is it? It seems like app has gotten a little better than they were a year or two ago.
6: Absolutely, I think that Coach Shelley has been there now for three or four years. It's her third or fourth season Um, that she's been at App State, and that you know you're starting to see that program really uh, win some games. That you know it's it looks like they're in a good position going forward, and they've been kind of up and down. Coastal Carolina has been an up and down team this year. We need Coastal Carolina definitely needs to be very careful. It looks like they could actually fall backwards into the bottom third of the conference, and we need them to. That's the school that we need to be good as well. So I, I, I'm excited about the possibilities of the Sun Belt Conference softball schools, and it's, it's just a matter of how much emphasis each each athletic director and each athletic department program wants to put on softball because. The weather is perfect. The locations are perfect for recruiting, based on you know the geographic areas that they're located in. So there's some really good advantages for the Sun Belt Conference schools. Now, will they do they want to make the commitment to the budget? Is it going to be a priority within each individual athletic program? And I guess that's for the each individual athlete director and department to make.
1: All right. So we talked um, earlier this week on Monday at your press conference, and, and, and you mentioned how important this weekend is. And um, we talked to Bobby yesterday, and he talked, to, he kind of echoed those sentiments. So we have this series at home against UTA, a team, like you said, that has just beaten Oklahoma State and, 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 and swept last weekend. And, and yet you've got. Maybe more question marks in terms of your lineup than you've had all year long and a season full of question marks with with Alexa, may, pro, maybe Sarda probably going to be out this weekend at shortstop and, and and no Jenna King who's been playing a little bit more. And so just talk about you, you, the lineup that you could be playing with and the options you have this weekend on a weekend where you really like to get a sweep. Yeah,
6: well, it looks like we'll be without – Jenna Keen, who's our leading hitter and our leading base stealer. And then it looks like we'll be without Alexa, who's our, you know, been our starting shortstop, which is, you know, the most critical defensive position and our leading home run hitter. Um, so those aren't, and then we're already without Rayne O'Neill, <laughs> who is our most experienced and most proven player out in center field. So you're playing without center field, Shortstop, leading home run hitter, leading uh, leading um batting average and leading base stealer. Right. And and that that was the case of Georgia Southern and in, in 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 the games we lost. That's a you know, it, it is what it is. But we gotta overcome that and I do think we've got uh, we got time to get a breath. That all happened so fast in game one and two. Um game one and the second inning of game two that we end up dropping. Um well, we obviously didn't handle the adjustments we needed to make in a timely manner. We needed to make them, and we dropped us the game. And so, we've got a week to recover and a week to get back. And these the <laughs> these three games are extremely, extremely important, critical that we win all three games. Um, that we put together a great effort. Um, so I don't I don't know how you can overemphasize how important the games are. There's absolutely no reason that we shouldn't win the three games we play our best softball we play a high level uh, of softball you know the game we lost we lost twelve to ten it was uh, you know' it's far from the best effort you know it was the opposite of a best effort it was about as bad as I felt we could play and a very poor performance that is unacceptable in a racing catching uniform and and you know when you're the head coach you're responsible for that so it didn't go over lightly and and we're dealing with, you know, the the situation, and um, yeah, there's a definitely a level of uh, a heightened awareness of how important these three games are. At the same time, we we got we've got things we got to clean up within the program and get get in a position to really play good ball. So that's just part of the the process that we're going through right now.
1: All right, Jordan Campbell, you got to have her bat in the lineup. She's been pretty consistent all year long, and man, it. it she, she, she hit so many balls hard down the line. You know, if, if you know, if you count, you know, two feet, the white line was to the left for two feet. Who knows what she'd be hitting right now? But but what do you see as her long term defensive position? If you had to guess, you know, a month or two from now, what, what would her defensive position be for you?
6: I, I think. If you're going to see her at second base settle in at second base the rest of the season that we moved her over there. She was more comfortable there in the fall. I felt like that we, we had needed her at third base. And I think now we're in a position we've got to, we've got to solidify the infield. So she's definitely more comfortable at second. And I think based on what we saw last weekend, she it may have even helped her offensively to have her over at second base where she can relax a little bit on defense. Um, so I think you'll see Jordan at second. Now third base is still that position that's, you know, kind of hard hard to know what we're going to do. Uh, Mayu is a possibility there, but right now we'll be using Mayu a lot at shortstop uh, while Alexa's out. And so, you know, until we get everybody back, there's going to be some movement there. But as far as Jordan Campbell, you know, the last 10 games, she's hitting 470. Um, she's, she's, she's hitting 430 for the year. She's a really nice, proven offensive player uh, at this point, and and we want to get her where she can, she can she can play outfield. She she played shortstop fifteen games at A and M her freshman year, so she she can play about any of the positions and play them fairly well. But it's, I think it's more a matter of <clears throat> getting her where she's comfortable. And we can get the best out of her offensively because we need her we need her to be a key piece for us offensively.
1: How much have you seen Stormy Conseleg play third base? Uh
6: she's played it she's played it quite a bit in travel ball that was her primary position. Um we played her there in the fall and we we felt like she wasn't comfortable there. We felt like she was more comfortable over at second, but then when the season started we're just trying to find you know, find a fit for her because again, <laughs> much like Jordan, she's just such a tremendous offensive player. We we need to find a place that we can get her defensively, and she can handle that position, and and then yet uh, be able to focus on the offensive side.
1: Is Ari as good as comfortable at third, or as good at you know? Is she a, kind of a good enough defensive player where she could play short second or third, or where, where you know if you need her for a game you know here and there at, um, from a defensive standpoint?
6: Now, on the defensive side, I think she's more comfortable at second base. Uh, I think, you know, much like Jordan, she's more comfortable over at the second base side. But then, on you know, offensively, Jordan's so good, you're not going to get Jordan's bat out of that lineup. And then Ari, I, I don't think we have saw her get comfortable at all on offense yet. She's, she's a much better offensive player, I think, than what we've even seen so far. But I do think defensively she can handle third. She reminds me of Alderick defensively, where I think we could even play her at shortstop if we needed to.
1: So it sounds like Melissa could be your long-term solution at third base.
6: It's a definite possibility that she could end up there towards the end of the year. Yeah. All and right. Storm, Stormy's bat has got to be in the lineup. I don't yeah. know. You know, I think she's a good enough athlete. She's a very athletic kid. And I, I think, you know, we could play her at first. Eventually, we could put her out in, in the outfield if we needed to. And we and I think she very much could play third or second. It's just getting her where, you know, getting finding out the best combination with the kids that we have on the roster.
1: Well, we said since the first conversation before the season even started, Coach, this is going to be a year with a lot of interchangeable parts, a lot of potential movement, and we're seeing that happen. And injuries kind of play into that as well. So, we appreciate your time and good luck this weekend, Coach.
6: Yeah, I think that it's it's definitely been a challenge to get off the ground this season, and I'm just hoping it'll come back to us at the end. This reminds me; the season reminds me of 2018, the very first year here, when we just trying to fit it all together, and
2: absolutely, and that
6: team really peaked at the right time and made a really good run at the regional finals over at LSU. So, I you know I think. We're, we're seeing really good signs in some areas like the offensive side. The pitching has been outstanding at times and really uh, challenged at times. So, got to get it all settled in and, and get together. But I'm thrilled with the effort of the kids.
1: All right, Coach. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. Good luck. Thank you. All righty, UL softball coach Jerry Glasgow. We'll be back. Finish out today's show next on the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.
0: It's not uncommon here on Footnotes for Kevin Foote's voice and his blood pressure to rise rapidly during the show. The fat guys like you and me need to be watching mop-up time just like the stars do. Sometimes it rises a little too high. That is stupid! 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 Not to worry, we have EMT standing by just in case foot passes out. Back, Back to, to more footnotes, footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Welcome back. To footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Well, that was interesting because, you know, I kind of thought a week, two weeks ago, it, it would if you to get if I had to guess, I would have said Stormy Console had kind of settled in at second base. And you just never know how all that's gonna work out. And it could change again. So it's going to be an interesting weekend at uh, at Lamson Park with UTA in town to see how the lineups go from game to game. All right. We've talked a lot of major league, I mean, uh, college baseball, but we haven't really talked that much major league baseball. And we're going to start doing that. Don't worry. For those of you who are, man, when are you going to start talking about major league baseball? It's going to come. Plus, it's a long season. A lot of games, so we'll have plenty of time. But one of the things I want to keep us aware of is some th- they've kind of under the radar, kind of changed some things back to how they were the last couple years. When the collective bargain, when the lockout ended, one of the things that was said was that they're not going to do the put the runner at second base in extra innings anymore. Well, they've gone back on that. They've agreed now. One, they're going to expand the rosters, and you're going to be able to have a lot of pitchers. In April, the first month of the season, you're going to be able to have a lot of pitchers on your roster, which is good because they're just trying to protect arms, and you know that that's a good thing. But they're also going to go back to this one more year of having this runner at second base thing and in extra innings, which it's a little sticky for the purists. But I, I guess they're trying to protect people, trying to protect arms. <sighs> Are we ever going to have a normal season again? All right, appreciate. Uh, Coach Legier, Coach Glasgow coming on, and y'all phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.